everybody, this is Mike with Hunting Ain't Easy, and it is November 7th, about a week after the closing of most of the the Western Slope D-Zone uh, deer hunts in California. And uh, just quick introduction here. Um, so I did some live recordings from a trip I took up into the central Sierra Nevada um, with with my D-Zone tag that I hadn't filled yet. And so um, I this was after the giant storm, what was it called, the bomb cyclone uh, that delivered upwards of 10 inches of water or more to much of California, dropped as much as three feet of snow up in the higher elevations uh, for, for most of our mountains. Um, and that snow was preceded by, you know, truly record, levels of rainfall as well so that storm was basically you know thursday or friday through about monday uh a week before the end of the season and i ventured out into the mountains on uh wednesday a couple days after that storm um and there had been a lot of dialogue uh you know the 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 $64,000 question for everybody was did this storm push migratory deer out of the mountains um or out of the high country or or did it not and um you know the timing is such that it's it's at the end of the season the end of the month uh typically bucks are are leaving bucks and does are starting to to filter down out of the high country as early as say mid-october um to mid-november and the story is typically accepted that any 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 large disturbance or large storm has the potential to really drive that migration uh, to completion uh, if it happens in the in the last week or two of October. So this is a good example of that. And um, as you'll hear, I, I chose to to go into the high country first. I wanted to explore some area that I could get to and get up into the the 7,500 to say 8,500 or 8,200 foot level. Um, And I just, I also like the idea of doing some exploration and seeing what it's like up there at that level when there's a couple feet of new snow and, um, you know, it's an adventure. So as you, as you know, from most of my hunting, uh, adventure first, uh, learning and scouting second, and and close the deal third, at least at this point in my my hunting you know interests, and so I wanted to see what was up there, and um, and then you know shift gears if needed. So we dive into I don't know maybe a half an hour of of live recordings that I did, and then towards the end of it I'll do a little recap and uh, fill in what took place on the last day that I was out there. Um, and then, you know, kind of added perspective of, of what I take away from this, this trip and, and some of the, the new learnings, new lessons that I got, uh, by spending more time in the back country. So it was a lot of fun. It was not easy. Uh, I think the men- mentally, the hardest part was, um, the lack of animals that I saw. So that's the spoiler. Maybe, I don't know. Enjoy the, enjoy the, the conversation, uh, as always, um, would love to have you follow along on Instagram. That's where I put a lot of the content, both in, in the stories as well as the posts. And so the stories have, have disappeared from this already, but the posts remain. And so definitely follow and, and feel free to ping me with your questions or, or comments uh, or ideas at uh, Instagram. Uh, the handle there is hunting ain't easy, just like it sounds. Um, and then... Uh, Let's see here. What else? Oh, you know, I, I don't do this very often, but you know, I'd love for you to do is, is if you do enjoy the podcast, follow, you know, subscribe to the podcast. So whatever platform you're on, hit that little follow or subscribe button. Um, just so you get these updates in a, in a timely manner. I realize I've been slow and, uh, I've been, I've been kind of weak on the, uh, the updates recently, you know, hunting and life get in the way sometimes, but, uh, we'll be back on track here soon with weekly or better updates. And, um, and so hit that subscribe or follow button. And then, um, I'm not asking for reviews, but I've just been amazed. Uh, I don't know. Last time I checked, I had a, a dozen or so like five-star reviews on Apple podcasts, which I thought was pretty rad. And so whoever you are, that's, that's going on to Apple and, and leaving, leaving reviews like that. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to see that, uh, 
that the the podcast is is engaging for you and and resonating uh, with your interests and getting you information that you enjoy, and perhaps might even be helpful for you. So thanks a lot for the the attention there. Um, I I won't say that uh, it's not fun to look at, so it very much is. And again, you can find me on Instagram. Hunting ain't easy. Uh, and so let's go ahead and drop into the show, drop into the conversations that are recorded uh, up in the mountains, and then we'll have a little recap from that hunt. Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, everybody. Mike here with Hunting Ain't Easy. So it's Wednesday, uh, the 27th, I believe, of October. And um, we just had literally an epic storm blow through California a few days ago. Basically, Friday, Saturday, rain coming in, and then as you all know if you're in California or if you got the after effects as it blew through the rest of the U.S. Um, Sunday, Monday, we had the most precipitation to ever fall in a 24-hour period base in terms of uh, you know records that have been kept going back to the 1800s. The most precipitation ever to fall in a 24-hour period in California. Uh, in many locations, and uh, it was quite the dump. Um, some of the foothills towns got like 10 inches of rain. I saw Mount Rose posted up that they got 10 inches of rain before this snow started. So the mountains just got absolutely slammed, totally soaked, which is great. Get the soil saturated. Um, I'm sure there's been some rock slides and mud slides and whatnot, but um, didn't hear about too many that were really catastrophic. So that's good. Um, and then the snow came and, uh, snow levels were really high initially, you know, basically mountain peaks were getting, getting rain until Sunday. And then temperatures really started to drop and snow levels came down to like 5,000 feet through much of the Sierra. So, well, you were here. I mean, you were probably you probably witnessed it yourself, so I don't need to tell you. But uh, lots of snow fell. Um, lower mountains for four or five inches, not unusual. Upper passes, you know, above seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand feet between two and probably four feet of snow. So, but it was pretty wet. Um, had a lot of moisture in it, and uh, it's Wednesday now. The storm petered out. Really you know, tapered off Monday evening in terms of central and Northern California. And, um, Tuesday though crisp and cool was basically sunny for most of the mountains. And so the melt started today. It was downright warm. I, um, I hit the road early and, uh, because of the conditions, I didn't go to my normal hunting grounds uh because they uh they require a hike about 3000 foot vertical gain <clears throat> and then I end up between 8500 and 9500 feet which I'm really not interested in doing um given that there'd be uh, a couple feet of snow up there um the other the other twist on this is it's a late october storm and lots of snow so did the bucks migrate or not um that is the $64,000 question um i think it's fair to say that a lot of bucks have moved out of the high country <clears throat> especially up there in the 8,000, 9,000 foot range. Um, so, but that being said, I'm not convinced that there aren't some bucks that stay up high, um, especially given how quickly this storm moved through and has warmed up. Um, I also think there's a chance that some bucks will will rebound They'll bounce um, as soon as the melt starts to really hit 
at the lower elevations, they'll move back to the higher elevations, get on those south-facing slopes where there's still green forage and um, the snow's burned off pretty fast. So that's my, that's my theory. Um, so I drove up a, a road I'd never been on and um, it got snowy, but four-wheel drive, Toyota Tacoma did just fine. Um, had it in low, low gear and just crawled up the mountain. Um, There's probably four to six inches of snow on the road and a few other vehicles had cut through it already. So no big deal, but did get to about 7,000 feet and um, there was a tree down. So that became the parking spot. And what's funny is that I thought about like, you know, God, I wish I had a chainsaw. I could cut this thing or if I had a toe strap, I could pull that tree out of the way. But, um, literally 200 yards up from the tree, a boulder, the size of a Escalade suburban Yukon, <laughs> huge boulder had rolled right off the bank into the road. And, um, so the road is closed <laughs> until that thing's moved. It's taken up two thirds of the uh, of the of the forest road. So, anyways, parked at about seven thousand, uh, loaded up, pretty heavy because I'm packed for cold weather. <sighs> Excuse me, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I'm packed for cold weather, so I'm a little heavier than I like to be. But really, I just want to walk about a mile, and. Um, get up to a little bit past the trailhead that I was trying to drive to. And so I'm, t- I'm tented up. Um, I'm on snow. Uh, and I'm at about 7,300 feet. Um, got the tent set up first when I got up here and then basically went on a hike. Um, went about a mile is all. It's slow going when you're walking through snow, um, no trail and about a foot or so for most of what I was walking on. So it's, uh, it, it, it definitely burns a few more calories and slows you down. Um, my fitness isn't where it should be or where I want it to be either right now. So just kind of taking it easy. But my goal today was just to see if I could cut some tracks. Um, again, back to the migration thing. Uh, hiking laterally along um, the slope here, kind of following some ridges. My expectation is that I'm going to come across uh, pretty well-worn tracks in the snow or a good assortment of tracks in the snow condenses in the same spot that would indicate that a group of deer moved through. Um, and... I did find that I found one track that I crisscrossed a few times and it just truly, it's like, it follows the elevation lines. If you were to look at a map and you look at the topo, you know, you look at the, look at a topo map and look at the elevation lines of the topo map. And this track from these deer just follow those elevation lines perfectly. They just gradually go downhill and they, they, they follow the contour of the land um, there weren't any individual distinct tracks that I could see, but you could tell the way that this trail was worn into the snow that several or even a lot of deer had, had, had used it during the storm. Um, the fact that there weren't any distinct individual tracks tells me that it continued to snow after the last deer that used that trail had gone through. So I'm guessing Monday, um, there were deer cruising down this trail all day. And, you know, the last deer passed through before the storm was over. So anyways, that that was good to find. Um, Obviously, if all the deer have used that trail and they've all gone downhill or elsewhere, uh, I'm not going to see them up here in the high country. 
So just kind of note to self, um, may have found a migration trail for future reference. So that's, uh, kind of makes today a scouting day. So tomorrow, um, I'm going to go up to about 8,000 feet, 8,200 feet, actually, uh, assuming that the snow conditions permit it. Um, I'm going to get up there, and my intent is to... I should be able to... I should be able to glass two directions, actually three directions, um, from a vantage point that I've identified. And uh, my goal is just to use that spot to see if I can track down or, or see any bucks up here in the high country. Um, I know that if I'm looking at, the, at a, a couple south slope, a couple slopes with a south orientation, that uh, the snow will, will mostly be burned off and it'll be warmer and sunny and so there's vegetation. So my, I'm hoping that my hunch is right and there's still some, some big old gnarly bucks that are just toughing it out in the snow and they're going to be up there on that south slope. So we'll see. So tomorrow is all about validation, testing the theory of finding some bucks up in that 8,000 foot range um, after a big storm. And if it's a, if it's a goose egg, if I come up with nothing, then I will probably head down to about 5,500 feet. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out tomorrow. So anyways, that's, that's the, that's the update for Wednesday. Um, got into some new country, uh, never scouted it before, obviously looked at some maps on Onyx and, um, kind of got a rough plan, but, uh, I'm just walking around the woods, seeing new stuff and hoping to see some animals. Um, we'll see what happens tomorrow and, uh, we'll see how tonight goes. It's, it's chilly up here. Got the tent on snow. So I'm gonna have to stay centered up real nice on the, uh, the air mattress. So it'll be crisp in the morning, but it's supposed to warm up, be sunny. So yeah, it's supposed to be sunny tomorrow and, uh, I was sweating today. So tomorrow should be pretty nice once the sun is up and, um, get up on that knob and do some glassing. So that's it for now. Wednesday night, day one of five, closing out the season with a D zone tag in central California. Hunting ain't easy. All right. Midday. It's about, it's Thursday. Um, hit the trail, <laughs> hit the snow at 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, the temperatures where I was overnight around 7,300 elevation, uh, didn't freeze, but it was still brisk, uh, four, four and a half hour hike roughly to get to the ridge top that I wanted to be on. I would say it's probably a two hour hike without snow. But, uh, man, snow just slows it down quite a bit. Um, views are amazing. I've got, I've got this, uh, this drainage that's about, I don't know, maybe a mile wide. Not quite. A couple creeks in the middle, down, down it. Um, mix of kind of timber and some avalanche shoots. And, uh some nice open slopes that are probably covered with sage without the snow there. So anyways, it looks good. If this snow had come in early October, I'm guessing that the deer wouldn't have moved and there'd still be deer up here, but I saw zero tracks, um, zero deer tracks on the way up. And it was, uh, I don't know, th three miles or so through, through a drainage uh, across a couple ridges, um, lots of opportunities to see deer if they were in the area moving. So, 
uh, I did see a pretty good size track that looked like mountain lion that was relatively fresh. So probably from yesterday or last night. So anyways, I'm inclined to, um, hike on back. It's, uh, it's about noon and I'll take my time and do some scouting on the way. And if uh, nothing nothing compelling jumps out at me, then I'll probably relocate, get down to about 5,500 feet, try to get into an area that's slightly, just, just barely below the snow and might be a holding area for, for bucks that have left the high country but aren't full-blown, you know, migrating towards their rut, their rutting areas. So we'll see. The evening update will let you know. Um, anytime I go into a new area that I haven't been to before, um, to me, it's scouting, you know, I mean, this is, this is hunting today, got a tag and weapon, but right now it's just like, everything is new to me. Everything is standing out as kind of running through the filter of how would I hunt this later? How would I scout this in the summer? What are the opportunities for water, camping? You know, what are the vantage points? And so <clears throat> while moderately exhausting and, and no deer, um, I'd say it's a success so far because this is some pretty amazing country I've never been into before. And I'll probably be back. So it looks awesome. Hunting ain't easy. But... I'm in it for the adventure, so always successful. Okay, Mike here, hunting ain't easy, and uh, it's not easy. My experiment uh, to go up into the backcountry and uh, <clears throat> see if I could find some tracks or evidence of bucks up and around the uh the 8000 foot range um i'd say it was productive <laughs> and conclusive i saw zero deer tracks um covered about i don't know 7 or 8 miles i think in the snow it was slow going not easy <clears throat> definitely burns more calories when you're hiking in the snow and it's a, probably half the speed of uh, normal. So <clears throat> anyways, um, it was a cool hike. Started around 7,300 where I was camped and uh, started in the dark. Um, it Temperatures were probably in the mid to high 30s. Uh, it definitely did not freeze overnight. The snow was... It was crunchy, but not crusty. Um, so made easy travel. Um, got about a mile on a trail that was in there. Um, obviously no, no tracks on it, but, uh, you just follow it. Like there's a little swale, a little divot where the trail is kind of carved into the landscape. So really easy to follow with the snow. And then cut off of there to go across a uh, across the drainage, and then um, had to cross a couple creeks, which is interesting, especially on the way back. <clears throat> and uh, so, really, spent a lot of time between seventy three and seventy four, seventy five hundred feet kind of up and down across that drainage and then kind of kicked it up and climbed up out of the drainage to the ridge around eight eighty two hundred feet. And, uh, that was interesting. A lot of snow, but, um, if it was North facing, um, sheltered, probably foot, foot and a half of snow. Um, if it was South or West facing, uh, it had burned off quite a bit, only maybe three or four inches. So 
it's melting fast up there. But um, <clears throat> found a really, really good mountain lion track. <laughs> if there is such a thing. Big track. He's crossed it a couple times. Um, he's just cruising, probably doing the same thing as, as what I'm doing. I'm looking for deer tracks and uh, didn't see any. So predators are, are busy. Um, mountain lion, uh, the day before I saw what was probably a coyote track. And um, so anyways, got up to that ridge and the views were amazing. 8,200 feet. I could see up uh, into another drainage, which is really what I want to see. Um, you can see up into that peaks around me in the nine to just under 10,000 foot range. Um, glassed up what looks like a migration trail, um, probably a thousand yards away on the other side of this drainage. Um, the reason I say that is because you could see the trail kind of carved into the hillside as though, you know, hundreds, thousands of deer animals over the years have used that same trail. So there's a chance that it's a cattle trail though. Um, they, there is a uh, free range cattle up in these high mountain basins in the summer. And so it's possible that it's from cattle, but, um, if not that, then it's definitely a, a migration trail. Using my scope, uh, I could tell that it wasn't churned up with snow and it was pretty smooth. So if it was used recently before that storm or during that storm, uh, my guess is no more, no more animals used it towards the end of the storm. And so whatever tracks they uh they laid down got covered up <clears throat> with the snow so anyways that would be the second one of that nature that i found the, the first one i found actually it was churned up some from tracks and uh just a little bit of snow over the top of it but you could tell that animals had been on it recently so great views i'm gonna say today was a scouting day um new territory and definitely some some strong uh habitat some good habitat for backcountry deer um <clears throat> summer hunt type of the thing archery or first couple weeks of uh of rifle would be ideal up here so uh anyways i decided to relocate hoofed it back to camp it had taken me four and a half hours to get to the top of that ridge um, took me three hours to get back to camp, going downhill with just uh, objective of getting back. So had to cross a creek that was flowing pretty intensely. Um, found a log that was all chewed up and decaying and actually was able to slide it down to cross uh, all but about four feet of the creek. So it was only about eight feet wide, you know, but eight feet's more than I can jump. So it might as well have been 20. But anyways, got that log out about four feet into the water and um, crossed, no problem. Of course, get back, get to, get to where I'm putting myself back together, put my backpack on. And uh, sure enough, oh, where's my sunglasses? <laughs> Damn it. My sunglasses had fallen off. On the other side so i got to cross the creek a couple more times to go get the sunglasses and then back but uh no wet feet um anyways got back to camp broke down and relocated to uh an area literally i feel like i'm cheating i'm parked like 100 yards from where i'm camped um in in the in the forest uh national forest so public land and i'm about 5500 feet elevation um and i'm going to give this a couple days two three days at, at least two maybe three days um 
just trying to figure out where the deer are moving um, if they're down in this elevation, if they're if they're staying in the area, or if they're moving through. So it's really timbered, really thick with brush. Definitely not a spot and stock situation. Um, so mix of uh, find an ambush point, find a point where I've got like a hundred to hundred fifty yards of, of visibility, and just kind of sit and and wait and watch. Um, and also still hunting so a mix of those two uh nice thing optimistic as i was walking down to my campsite <laughs> i uh i saw a big old pile of deer turds which is great relatively fresh in terms of they're still wet of course with the rain and snow that's probably not much of a it's not probably probably not very meaningful um also acorns on the ground there's oaks in here so acorns on the ground and still some manzanita berries on the bushes so possibly uh bear food which would be cool if uh see a bear that'd be great I'd be happy about that so anyways into the middle elevation um i'm by a burn a few years old regrowth has been pretty significant so it's thick but uh burns are good for deer and supposedly if i was reading some of the migration route stuff correctly this is this is in the migration route for deer coming out of the backcountry in this area and it might be also what's called a holding area so deer will hold up in this area and kind of pause the migration um, if weather holds. And so right now it's really nice and warm. So uh, they don't have a, a need to hurry down lower than this. Um, the rut's not going to start for at least a couple weeks. So uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, what shakes out from the the thick brush and the woods here in the next day or two. We'll keep you posted. All right, so it is Friday evening and uh, got out early this morning, well before sunrise. Um, so I'm at this new spot, around 5,500 foot elevation, um, more or less in an old burn. Most of the area that I've been hunting today is part of this burn and um, a lot of it's regrown you know it's pretty thick in terms of brush you know four four feet high four feet deep <laughs> um also you can tell that from the storm just a few days ago you know there's some winds that were huge winds and then obviously a ton of water um a lot of a lot of trees came down a lot of deadfall that looks recent so getting around is a little harder than maybe it was a week ago. But uh, gosh, nothing today. I mean, very little. Um, I did find a good vantage point where I could look down into a uh, small drainage that had burned. And so you could see down into the, see down to ground level for a lot of it. Um, even though the, the brush has grown up, I could still see, I could see ground level and that told me that I could see if there were deer moving around there, I'd be able to see them. But uh, five hours glassing into this drainage um, and nothing. There's quite a few oak trees in there. And so I was really paying attention to some of the oaks uh, the bases of them, see if I could, you know, see some deer getting in underneath those oaks and vacuuming out those acorns or a bear. There's a lot of acorns in here right now. I'm surprised. Well, I'm sure there's bears near, but I haven't seen them, but, uh, I'd expect the bears to be moving all day. Uh, just constantly moving right now, just getting as many calories into them as possible. So 
but no dice on the um on the glassing situation and uh not a lot of hunters i saw one hunter on foot and um he was over in that same drainage he was walking a like a fire road basically and then i saw one truck on a road that actually goes quite a ways it, it goes through the forest here over to uh the other side of the river and then who knows how far they were going so they weren't i i doubt they were hunting they were looked like they were traveling from point a to point b anyways not as many people as i thought would be in here at this point it's friday so going into the last couple of days of the season so that's good um although i guess a little pressure wouldn't hurt right now move move some deer around so after that i just walked a little bit um trying to figure out where i wanted to be and what i want to look at and uh got into a spot in the evening for a couple hours that looked good looked down over a small little creek the the top what's it called the head of the creek where it forms um had about 150 yards view 180 degrees out so had it was a good vantage point thought that the uh the creek would be a good spot as uh something that deer might be used to coming through and two so but nothing switched it up one more time right before sun sunset another nice little spot look it felt like i should have my bow because i basically i was looking at like 60 to 80 yard view for this little this little uh another little creek but it was nice and opened up so I could see through um, a small area. And uh, kind of reminds me of where I got my bear last year. Um, so anyways, nothing. <clears throat> to say that I'm losing enthusiasm would be an understatement. Um, not in my normal areas that I like to, that I've scouted, that I know where the deer are and kind of what they do or at least having some ideas of that, about that so it's also just kind of continuous forest there's not a lot of um it's hard to see the topography in this middle elevation forest it's hard to see um the contours of the land and get an idea of of where animals might be based on that the topography and so given that I'm usually hunting above tree line or, or at tree line. This is a little new and frustrating, but I'm going to give it another day tomorrow. I'm going to go glass that burn, um, that drainage that I spent five hours on today. I'm going to glass it from the other side. Uh, I think that seeing it from the other side will give me a different view. Maybe, maybe it'll be a better vantage point. Um, and, uh, I might be able to get up higher than where I was today as well. So look down into it from a, a better angle. So we'll see. I'm going to give it another shot tomorrow. I know there's deer in there. I mean, there's, there absolutely has to be deer in there. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, are they moving and am I seeing them? Um, they might not be moving, which means I won't see them. And, and if they are moving, I didn't see them today. So. Just going to give them a shot from a different angle. And uh, we'll see what comes up. So anyways, down to the last couple of days of deer season in California for me. And uh, my mind is already wandering to other future opportunities. Planning next year's tags, things like that. So it's uh, the mind doesn't stop thinking about it, even though the deer are not presenting themselves today all right that's it we'll check in tomorrow and we'll know if uh i've had success or not
Thanks for listening. Okay, so that uh, wraps up the live recordings that I did up on the mountain. Um, so far, uh, as you've heard, I, I headed up to the high country and um, had a great snow hike, uh, found a couple of uh, migration trails, I think, but nothing nothing fresh in terms of tracks for uh, bucks or deer of any kind. Um, and then uh, I, I dropped down into lower elevation, um, down there around 5,500 feet, still in the D6 zone, and uh, spent a day glassing, hiking around. First of all, uh, an evening getting settled into my camp, which was, you know, 100 yards from the truck, which was kind of awesome. Um, had my entire five-gallon jug of water there, so didn't have to go foraging for water. Um, it was it, it it was enticing enough to where you know occasional truck camping doesn't look so bad uh, compared to hiking out in the backcountry. Um, anyways, I got an evening there, and uh, of course saw nothing really. My eyes were kind of adjusting just to the to the climate, to the habitat, to to see, you know, kind of look through. Um, what I was seeing and whatnot. And then Friday all day glassing and then also some, some hiking around and starting to see more sign. Um, and then Saturday I, I got out early, um, actually drove about a mile to get to the other side of that burn that I was glassing the day before and got in, um, had to bushwhack a little bit. So drove a little ways and then had to bushwhack and do some cross-country hiking uh, to get down into this burn from the other side and set up on a, a good a good vantage point there um, and glassed into this area for most of the morning. Um, took a couple side trips because I wasn't seeing anything on the burn. And so I took a couple of side trips, got distracted a couple times and explored a little bit, found a, a really good um, what I think was a buck trail, buck track, and the trail uh, went up over a knoll. I follow, was able to follow it for in in the the kind of you know damp granite soil. Uh, the the hoof prints were really clear, and I'm guessing that given the timing of the storm, um, the weather that we'd had the prior week, that these foot tracks these tracks were could be 12 hours to to two or three days old. Because at this point it's Saturday, and the storm, as you know, was ended ended Monday, so they could have been even, you know, five days old. But um, followed that for about a quarter mile, which was which was cool. I really haven't ever attempted to track a deer, um, and so that was interesting. But for the most part, Saturday morning, spent the day glassing into this burn again, but from the opposite vantage point, and so. The finger ridges that I could see coming out into the burn the day before. At this point today, Saturday, I'm looking at the back sides of those. So different vantage point, and um, I can't say it was better uh, because, man, the topography of this burn and the 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 colors of this burn with with the deciduous trees, and then you know the burn itself, and then the um, the toothpick, you know, like trees, dead, dead trees still standing, you know, the vertical orientation of those trees and then the same trees um, or similar trees that had fallen. Um, the color, it's like, it was like, a, it's just like a kaleidoscope of, of, of colors and textures looking across this burn, making it really hard to differentiate, you know, am I looking at a tree that's dead and down or am I looking at a tree that's standing and dead? Am I looking at even... The, the ground or am I looking at at um, four foot thick um, brush that's just got this you know got this continuous color palette and texture of its own um, bottom line is I thought I had I, I thought this burn was going to prove provide something uh, in terms of visibility and, and seeing some animals moving um, the areas of it that I could tell that I was looking down, you know, through the deadfall, through the brush to actual, you know, soil where animals would be moving around. Um, it, it gave me something to look at, uh, but I didn't find anything. 
I didn't, I didn't see any animals, didn't see any movement. And so that was frustrating. And so by about mid, mid morning or maybe, maybe midday, um, decided to go out and do some hiking and, and do some more exploring. And so explored, uh, kind of a, a, a knob, a, a point that was up behind me about a quarter mile. And, and it, I think elevation wise, it, it topped out maybe three or 400 feet higher than where I'd been. So not quite 6,000 feet. But um, kind of a gumdrop shape uh, had its own little peak, and so I walked, I, I walked around it, uh, all the way around it, and on the backside of it, I came across some some trails that looked like they were they were actively and recently used. Came across more sign, so that was encouraging. Followed a couple of the trails for a bit, um, and then just kind of decided to slow hike my way back to the truck, which was probably two miles away. Um, and did that in a way that I, I hiked up around the burn, around the burn between the, the forest edge and the burn itself and hiked up that way, found a, a for, uh, a, a, probably a, it was a fire road. It was basically the edge of the burn. And so it was a forest road that became the dividing line for that fire. Um, walked down that road for a little ways, um, found some really cool, uh, prints on the road, deer, bear, probably mountain lion. So lots of fresh prints um, and tracks on that road since the, since the fire or since the storm the week before. And so that was kind of cool. And then just kind of hiked up through the forest um, uh, to take the long route, the long, slow walk back to the truck. And um, again, seeing some sign, but nothing super compelling and didn't didn't bump a single animal um for the amount of time i spent in this area just kind of walking through it slow trying to still hike still hunt through it um i was just waiting to at least bump a doe like see something scoot out in front of me um because i'd gotten close enough to, to have it run away um didn't bump a single animal out of there, which uh, was surprising and a little frustrating, but it started to settle into my mind that it's possible that that storm was enough to, to, to push the animals through this area. Maybe this area at 5,500 feet isn't, it's not wintering grounds. And I, I, I gathered that, that it's not winter habitat. And so uh, it's possible that the, that the herd that would normally be above that elevation didn't just come down to say 55, 6,000 feet, but actually flush through it all the way down maybe to 4,000 feet. Um, the other thing that, that surprised me about this area was uh, there's a lot of oaks intermixed with the, with the pine forest. And under those oaks, there was just, you know, a, a carpet, a blanket of, of acorns. And so that's where I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm going to see some bears move around in here. And uh, I didn't, not only did I not see any bears, I didn't see um, over the, let's see, uh, Thursday evening, Friday, most of Saturday, I only saw maybe two piles of bear scat that looked like they were remotely recent. And they were very much filled with like red berry, and probably acorn. So late berries, maybe maybe uh, manzanita berries, and maybe some acorn uh, paste, kind of a pasty poop. <laughs> um, but only two piles of this in the entire time I was walking around in this area. And so kind of had me questioning, um, why wouldn't the bears be there? Where would the bears be? And so are the bears at that point in time, are they lower? Do they, do they hit the acorns at 3,000 feet and then work their way back up? And then basically by the time they've exhausted the acorns at five or 6,000 feet, it's time to go into their dens for the winter? Um, or is, there, is it just some anomaly in this area that they wouldn't be active um, with so many acorns on the ground? So, you know, this trip definitely provided more questions than, than answers, I think. And they're just good questions to explore. Um, so on Saturday, uh, you know, this hunt was supposed to go to till Sunday, but you know, bluntly it's, uh, I wasn't in an area that I know wasn't in an area that I, that I 
particularly having a lot of affinity for in terms of just that dense dense forest you know kind of this the sea of trees type of forest um you know compared to the the back country where you've got high basins and ridges and whatnot and so i concluded that i was going to hunt out hunt through saturday and um if nothing really screamed at me that i need to stay in that area i.e see some animals um i was going to bounce and so for my final sit on saturday I, I took the truck back closer to where i'd originally camped and there was one spot where i had um it just it, it was just looked like great habitat there was a couple there's like a couple saddles that kind of merged and then it's like a triangulation like three different three different areas of habitat came to, together there's a, a a small stream or creek that that came out of the hillside um there was a saddle from another direction saddle from the other side and then um the, the good forage but also good visibility to where i could see about 270 degrees in any direction um i could see about 100 yards so it looked like a good spot um from a visibility vantage point um it was and it was in the timber too it was in the timber where i think the 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 deer if they're if they were there they'd be moving around as opposed to being right out in the open so sat there for a couple hours and um one thing that was kind of cool is i did find a trail that looked like uh it had been recently used by deer and i found a rub so first time ever i'd found uh, a fresh rub you know tiny little sapling pine tree that it was just torn up just just the the, the branches on one side were all shredded off and the bark on one side was all shredded off. And interestingly, if I was a buck and I was walking downhill on a migration trail, so not truly downhill, but, but pointing my nose towards, you know, lower elevation, basically heading West at this point, um, where I was that, and I was going to shred a tree. It would be shredded on the side that this tree was shredded. So it kind of paints the picture to me of some bucks moving through this area, moving downhill towards their migration, you know, on their migration and pausing at this tree to shred it with their antlers. Um, so anyways, um, that was, that was fun to see that. Uh, I, I, as much time in the, I spent in the woods, you'd think that I would have seen, active scrapes or active rubs like this in the past but i really haven't so took a picture of that threw that up on instagram you can check it out um it's you know it's just one of those little data points one of those puzzle pieces that when you're out in, in the woods and you're not seeing anything you actually are seeing some things uh you're seeing there's sign there uh sometimes the the absence of sign is what you're seeing and that you can put into your your toolkit to assess and figure out at a later date but um sat in this in this area amongst literally like a pool of acorns on the ground and um nothing came through so at that point i tapped out and said i'm gonna hit the road but uh in retrospect you know the trip was a success not just because that little rub that i found but um I think one of the biggest successes of the trip was when I was up in the snow, I glassed up what I believe it to be a, a migration trail. Um, and I think it's, I think my hunch is that it's a significant migration trail. So I was up on this ridge at about 8,200 feet. I was looking across a drainage, um, to, to one side, it was, these high alpine bowls, you know, another mile or so further up the drainage. So this is a fairly, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's narrow, but we'll say it's a mile across, but the drainage is probably like two or three miles long. And then it goes up into these alpine bowls at the head of the drainage um, that are probably at, you know, I don't know, 9,500 feet elevation between nine and 10. I don't think they tapped out over 10, but, uh, so this kind of long drainage, um, I'm looking across it and at the base of the timber on the other side of it, I can just see in the snow, this, this narrow little track, uh, or trail kind of carved in the snow. 
and so I get my spotting scope on it and I follow it and it's it's pretty continuous it it goes into the trees and disappears a little bit but then it reappears once out in the open and it just kind of winds its way at the edge of the timber mostly and above you know high enough off the base of the of the canyon to where it'd be out of you know river flow out of the muck and mud of the spring runoff and whatnot and um with my spine scope i i get the sense when i'm looking at it that there aren't any defined tracks in it and it's not that actively churned up again this is a stretch from you know 800 to 1000 yards this is but this is what i'm i'm pulling pulling from looking looking at this and so having seen another trail in the snow um, and also having hiked on a actual hiking trail in the snow in the last couple of days, um, the hiking trail has kind of a swale of its own defined by the snow. I, mine were the only boot tracks in it, but the trail itself, you know, it's kind of carved into the ground. And so then the snow follows that contour. Uh, similarly, the trail, the, the other migration trail that I'd seen followed the contour of the ground, but much narrower because it's a deer trail and not as deep. And also this one, the other one was churned up because you could tell that animals had used it during the storm. Um, this one I'm looking at across the valley, I don't get the sense that it's churned up in any way, but it's definitely a narrow trail. And so I was thinking this is this, is, this could be a, a cattle trail, um, but I think it's more likely um, I think it's most likely a migration trail. Uh, the cattle also scatter out quite a bit up in that area and their trail would probably be pretty wide. So anyways, I've got this hunch that I found a, a good migration trail um, that, that would be significant. Um, I, I looked on Google Earth, uh, a couple different platforms for Google Earth and um, kind of dove into it and you could see it, it's there as well in carved into dirt. And, um, and so I'm encouraged what I'm going to do is if, if November is dry enough and I get a day where I'm not trying to find bears, um, which I'm going to do a couple times this month, I may just shoot down there or maybe even in early December, I may shoot down there and put up a camera, um, on this trail, not so much to catch the winter action because there really won't be any, but to catch the spring action of, of uh, deer coming back uphill, coming back up into the summer habitat. There's always a question mark about how early the deer start heading up into the high country. And I think they pretty much follow the snow line. But um, the timing of access, like the roads being accessible, uh, you know, do I want to do a snowshoe hike in, in April <laughs> or not? Um, you know, things like that come up come to mind and so if there's access between now and the end of december um and the roads are open i may just try to jam up there and and while the the snow's not too deep and get a camera or two set um so that's a maybe and if not that then i will absolutely get a camera up there this coming spring you know spring of 2022 to hopefully see some of the spring migration but definitely to see next fall's migration, which of course would be mid-October to mid-November. Again, throwing in the, 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 the risk or the, the, the potential that I can't recover that camera until spring of 2023. So kind of a, a long-term science project that I've got going here is to place a couple cameras on one of these migration trails that I found and see what it see what it tells me. Um, I think it'd be pretty fascinating. Um, it'd be pretty cool to to, to see that parade of of animals. Um, and if there's a differentiation between you know who leaves first, do the does and the fawns leave first, followed by the by the younger bucks? Is it true that the that the big old codger you know bucks stay up there longest and leave last? You know, I don't know if this is all you know, hearsay or if this is true or if it can even be quantified. Um, and if this is a good migration trail, then it may give give us some information that's that's solid um, or it may just add to the confusion for 
from you know, folklore to, to science. So anyways, that was pretty cool. Um, I, uh, where that sapling was, um, even though I didn't see any deer at that 5,500 foot air level, you know, obviously there was some sign for deer. There had been deer in that area in the prior week, certainly. And so again, just kind of in the interest of science and, and being able to have eyes on something when I'm not there, I think it'd be fun to throw a camera into that area too and just see, you know, when do the deer come through this elevation on their way back up? How do they move through this elevation on their way down? You know, is this a, is this a significant spot or not? Um, I think by the time you get down into that elevation, deer can kind of spread out quite a bit. So anyways, it was a fun adventure as every, as every four or five day hunt should be. And I got to see some stuff that I hadn't seen before. Um, on that note, the tracks that I did see while up in the snow, um, when I was driving up to the trailhead, I'd say at around 6,500 foot elevation, I did see uh, a nice set of bear tracks. Um, and then while in the back country higher up, I saw what I think were probably coyote tracks. And then I saw some tracks that were looked relatively fresh, you know, given that I was traipsing around up there on Thursday, they were definitely Tuesday or Wednesday tracks since the storm. Um, and they were, there was either a very healthy, good sized mountain lion or um, at the risk of, of creating um, rumors along the lines of Sasquatch, there was a track that to me looked like a canine track and it was very large and bigger than any coyote track would be, which which would tell me that it was a wolf track. Now, this being Central California D zone, West Slope, higher elevation, uh, there's not supposed to be wolves down there at that point. Um, and so that's where this this would fall into the, the, the Sasquatch theory. But we do know that wolves have traveled, hell, you know, as far south as Monterey. You know, they do travel down through the Sierra. Um, we know that there have been elk that have traveled as far south as, I think, like the Highland Lakes area or something like that, like Highway 4, maybe Highway 108. So you do get some random occurrences of some unexpected animals uh, up there in the mountains. And anyways, my point is, is there were some interesting predator tracks up there. Uh, and they were probably doing the same thing as me. They were cruising, looking for, looking, looking to cut tracks on a deer or some other kind of prey species and see if they could track it down. So that was, that was fun. Um, I did enjoy the, the camping in the snow part. Uh, it really wasn't cold. Um, not, not, you know, sleeping on the snow was not that big a deal. I've got a good climate, uh, insulated air, air mattress, and it did its job. I really, you know, my backside, um, I was not cold at all. I didn't feel like I was sleeping on snow. So that was uh, refreshing to have that happen. And then from an air temperature perspective, the backside of that storm, man, it, you know, it cooled off and dumped a, a lot of snow up there. But by, by Wednesday and Thursday, that snow was melting pretty fast. The air temperatures were not that cold. You know, daytime temps were in the 50s, I think, or even 60s. And um, the the morning overnight on Thursday when I woke up on the snow up there, um, it hadn't even frozen overnight. And so it was brisk, but not cold at all. I was working up a sweat pretty quickly just in my base layers hiking. So it wasn't too bad. But uh, that was fun. That was a good adventure and looking forward to doing more of that. Um, so didn't fill that tag. Uh, but it was still, it was still a good, I had some good hunts down there. And, uh, I love that tag. I love, I love the big high mountains that you get, um, in the central Sierra. We're, uh, we're blessed to have so much varied habitat that we can go out and, and, and hunt in and hike in and explore and learn from, um, still in my pocket, I've got my bear tag and, um, and I've got an Arizona over the counter, uh, deer tag. So I figure the bears, you know, we've had some snow, we've had some storms, we've had some cold, uh, 
Um, bears will be out from what I've read. And, and I think, you know, kind of from what trail cameras have, have told me in the past that bears will be out moving around until mid December or so. Um, if not, uh, at least, at least through November and, uh, they're looking for food, but if they run out of food or they, they find that from a calorie perspective, it's a net negative to, to be out moving around, they're going to go into their dens pretty soon. So I figure I've got a, a two or three kind of weekend warrior one day hunts where I can get up and, um, and, and look for bears at the middle to higher elevations. I'm tempted to say that, you know, towards the end of this month, if I'm going out for bear, that I would be looking in their denning areas, you know, up in that seven to 8,000 foot range where I think that they den up in the, in the winter. And, uh, so that may be where I end up. Um, I think it'd be really ridiculously cool to get a bear that late in the season, um, because it's going to be fat. It's going to have great fat on it, great meat, and and really good fur too. And so that would be kind of the 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 trifecta if I could get a late season, you know, November bear or early December, but uh, probably only two or three days uh, of that hunting left for me this year, just given other other time pressures and constraints. Um, and then Arizona archery heading down uh, probably before Christmas. I think the season opens the 10th or 11th. But I'm going to try to hammer out a, a five-day or five- or six-day hunt down there in the desert um, before Christmas. So at that point, we'll be planning for 2022. And uh, we'll be talking about you know daydreaming and, and scheming for what we can do next year. Uh, look forward to a few more podcasts coming up, of course, this year. I've got some recaps on some of the policy issues that we've talked about. I'm going to get into those. And uh, time to get some more, trying to get some guests on on the show. So definitely hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, and look forward to some uh, some late season discussions as well as you know what's going on with the Fishing Game Commission and CDFW that impacts us as hunters. Uh, what's going on with habitat and uh, and fire issues as we look ahead? You know the fires are out, but the the issue and the topic of it will come back next year. So how to be prepared and how to plan for that and contribute to the dialogue. Um, so plenty to talk about, plenty to get into, and we will continue to do that here on the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the community and uh, hope you're out there enjoying your day and making every hunt or scouting trip an adventure. That's what it's all about. We'll see you.